Welcome back to episode 42 of Jared's Super Fun Awesome Amiibo Playtime. Last episode, Ivysaur and Solid Snake were sneaking into Ganondorf and Bowser's secret base. Jared. Huh? Jared. What? Wake up. Huh? Wake up. So for real, welcome to episode 36 of Signs, Cosines, and Tangents. I think we're both awake now, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think I was just dreaming. Well, I mean, you dozed and you're supposed to be doing the audio engineering. Is that it? It's really embarrassing when I have to like poke you with a stick from this side of the studio. I'm sorry. Are you? Yeah. So I'm Jared. So what were you thinking about? What? what... Um, just, you know, fun times, you know. Fun times. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so we're going to get the housekeeping out of the way. Yeah. So, uh, new news. New news. News. New isn't, news. isn't new news just it's the not, plural of it's new? Not, it's a nooner? Is, is, no, serious. This is a serious question. Oh. Is news just the plural of new? No. No? Okay. No, news yeah, is I mean, a I, noun. It's I, just, I Obviously, never thought that it's a so. standalone noun. Oh yeah, sure. I I agree, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's a stupid idea. It just has similarities to another word in English, but I don't know the entomology. But I do believe news is a standalone concept. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean like here are the individual new things. things. No. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> I never thought that. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's stupid, but it's definitely weird. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. It's fine. So, uh we have an update for everybody. Uh if you consume our podcast or maybe if you don't, it's delicious. We are now on Spotify, Google Play, and of course Apple Podcasts. And if you just want to take an RSS feed and throw it into your podcast thing, you know, that the normal way of doing podcasts, you can do that too. Or you could click to it off of our Facebook as well. We're on the Facebook, we're on the um, interwebs. Have we done a Discord integration? That's something we ought to look into. How do you do that? I don't know. To I don't what? Know if it's a thing. Discord integration to what? Our so podcast? We could like play Discord in an audio channel in a loop. Huh. We could probably broadcast through Discord. Yeah, that's I mean Or Twitch. Well, we've I've given up on Twitch. Okay. Because they'd be playing, you know, videos that pay Twitch in front of us. I mean, we could make money that way. But, uh, we can't make money. We don't we have any make listeners. We could make ones of dollars. <laughs> yeah, we, nobody wants to watch your Twitch channel, man. Nobody. Nobody wants to watch it. <laughs> and nobody wants to listen to your podcast. Ooh, wait. Uh, hey, we can nail both of those. <laughs> but uh, So, let's get straight to the tangents. Yeah. And we've got a few this month. We this do. Week, this episode. This Why don't issue? you start? Sure. So, a little indie game... By a Stop! Guy named... That that trope is dead. Okay, a really big game by a money grubbing corporation was released recently. That's too real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Borderland Three came out. Are you playing it? Uh, no. Okay. I never played the pre sequel. I played one so and two. It's already got fifty percent of the audience. 
Um, no, it, it's it's been a long time. It's been six years since we got a Borderlands game, and some would say eight years since we got a good Borderlands game. Since Borderlands 2? Yeah. Yeah. And Borderlands 3, I've spent a large number of hours with. I know that uh, listener uh, Sean Obi has also completed the game, at least the main course. Right. And um, I've got some thoughts. Okay. But I'd love to hear what you think that game's about. What I think that game is about? Because you haven't played it, so what do you think it is? Borderlands 3? Yeah. I haven't played it. I said you haven't played it. Oh, yeah. So you're asking... I'm asking you as the uninitiated. So, I've played Borderlands 1 and 2. Okay. And if it's like those, I would imagine it's a dungeon-esque loot shooter with funny humor and crazy guns. So... Of the three things you said, my view is it's two of those. Which ones? It is a dungeon-esque loot shooter, and it has crazy guns. But it's not funny? What is missing in this one is it is not funny. Oh. It, It tries really hard to be funny, but it's not. And it's doing, in my opinion, the main villains of the story are an overused trope. And I guess I just don't care. It felt to me... What's the trope for the uninitiated? So the trope is that the main villains in this are streamers slash YouTubers. Ugh. In space! Okay. And they're after the keys to the vaults because the vault gives them ultimate power. Right. They're twins, and one of the two twins is a siren, but one's male and one's female. Males can't be sirens. So there's this weird power connection. And there's only six sirens, right? No. Didn't they establish that in the lore at some point? That was the original lore. They've kind of retconned that okay they also reveal more than one siren that we didn't know was a siren in this game that from a previous game from a previous game interesting and again like in good borderlands fashion your characters are really inconsequential and insignificant yeah we were talking about this earlier basically all the borderlands cast aren't really dynamic or important to the story until the sequel comes out yeah until the next game <laughs> and then they show up it's like they have to prove themselves first right. and and the cast of characters for this one i don't know i've played two out of the four and and it hasn't been out very long at the time we're recording this um i've played the the robot Beastmaster, who's okay and i played the smart alec tech guy with the drone um there are two other characters there's a siren who's all into muscle and beating people up. She's a strong siren. And then there's a chick that hops in. There's D.Va from Overwatch. Oh, cool. Crossover game. Yeah, very original character. (laughs) Um, I don't know. The one nice gimmick that they play with in this game is that you're not stuck on Pandora. So So you get to go to different places, finally. You're flying to other planets, and you're finding vaults on other planets. So is it like Metroid Prime 3? Where you get to fly to four planets it's and similar, go back and forth. Actually. Yeah, that's a good... Comp- well, that part is a good <laughs> comparison. Um, the other thing is that the co-op, I will say, having played a little bit of co-op, uh, was always my favorite way to play Borderlands. Whether it was split screen or whether it was you know network play. Yeah. Split screen is back. We have a split screen in this game. And I say back like it wasn't in the other games. It was... But we've seen a trend of moving away from split screen. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of a novelty for a large game. Well, a big and it game has to, to do with screen. 
screen resolution and well they uh, always know. say it's performance but there's ways to make that work well yeah borderlands hasn't figured that out yet like performance halo is 4, bad. when halo 4 came out i mean what was it no it was halo 5 it didn't have any mm-hmm. split screen right but halo was built on split screen well its reputation was but this is a different studio these were different yeah. creators at that point it had evolved right. And they were trying to do HD, and they couldn't make the engine operate smoothly in HD with all the stuff they did. So Borderlands didn't make that claim. They have the ability to play multiple people on the same couch. Uh, But I would say even when you're not playing multiplayer, at least for the first two, two and a half weeks after launch, the performance has been pretty rough. Uh, they're and getting in and out of the menus. It's only on consoles or did it hit PCs the same It day? is an exclusive to the, the Epic, Epic Store. Store. Of course. Which Every means, new PC game is. Well, they paid a lot of money. And that w- that came out. And there's the usual amount of controversy around Randy Pitchford and kind of the, the practices of 2K and, and you know Gearbox. Um, it seems like Randy Pitchford can't get through a game release without becoming the center of attention. Right. Um, and they are... Doing something that they started with Borderlands 2, which is the shift keys. Um, They're very, very active right now, posting shift keys. And there's other keys that you can find to unlock other things in the game. Okay. Which gives it more of a kind of you have to watch the Twitter. Now, the thing that they've done that kind of frustrates me is they've reduced the time that the keys are effective. So you have like three hours to find a code on Twitter and go log in and enter it into the system. That's, so there's a whole social media aspect in order to get exclusive loot. Yes, and and if you remember back when uh, Dark, or Dead Souls came out, and I talked about the Twitch integration. So there's a Twitch integration for streamers playing uh, Borderlands Three as well, where people in their um, in their chat can interact with the game to drop loot, make bosses harder. Uh, so there's a there's interaction with the with the community. Is that in for optional? Switch. Can you turn that on and off? Um, I don't know if it's optional. I think it is, but I haven't seen any streamers that have turned it off because that's how they interact with people. Then they ask for money or earn money, depending on how you look at it. Right. But uh, so my initial impressions, obviously, I have, I have not had the time to play all the way through it. I think it's got some rough edges. Maybe I'll wait a little while. The one thing they have announced, which is kind of cool, is a free Halloween DLC that everybody who owns the game is going to get. Okay. So uh, did they announce in advance like that they're going to do paid DLC or season yes. pass? Is there yeah, a season there's pass a season pass. Okay. Uh, you get the gold edition for $100 or whatever, and you get all of the DLC content. Is there going to be new characters or classes? No new characters. They're not doing that? They're not doing any new characters this time. Interesting. Uh, At least that's what they're saying at the moment. Uh, The other thing is that there are lots of cosmetics in the game. Okay. So it's there's no microtransactions. You're not buying keys, but I could very easily see them moving to that model as a games as a service, which I think we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, it's going to tie into our main topic. But uh, otherwise, Borderlands 3, I think, is a passable. It's a fun shooter. Uh, The guns are insane. Yeah. Uh, visually, it's it looks better, but the story... Yeah, it looks like they kind of did the cel-shaded look, but a more... More realistic cel-shade. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say realistic, but just, like, not as cartoony. There's well, a lot it's the same more the same color yeah. in the game, right. actually. So. All right. Let's move on to the next tangent. 
Absolutely. This is mine. So, uh, a game came out. Mm-hmm. It does that. It's an indie game, which, mm. surprise, surprise. Yeah, Sean's looking at me like, of course. No, River City Girls. And this is in the River City Ransom universe. Uh, universe Continuity. Series. Cinematic universe. Cinematic universe. Now, surprisingly, in Japan, the River City Ransom series has like over 50 games. It's a huge series. In yeah, Japan. we've got like three of them here. Um. Yeah, we've gotten like three or four. A couple came out for the DS, 3DS a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. But this one was developed uh, in conjunction with Arc Systems, who owns the license for that series now, um, and WayForward, who does the Shantae series. They've done uh, the DuckTales remastered. They've done all kinds of licensed games. They're really good at beating up some platformers. Yeah. So... The art style they've chosen with this is not like the standard NES. They kind of did like a high bit between 16-bit. Well, and you and I both said the second we were... Well, I was watching play, and I played for a little while. Yeah. But it, it's basically Scott Pilgrim, the yeah. video game, that nobody can buy anymore because of licensing. Yeah. So it's a two-player beat-em-up, um, but it infuses a lot of elements that made Scott Pilgrim fun and kind of keeps that genre alive of... XP and new moves. It's constantly throwing new things at you. So it's not as now it's still grindy and it's still like, you know, you're tapping two buttons in a direction all the time, but, but it's the humor, fun. It, the it, humor it, is really good. The art style's great. Yeah. It's fully voiced. Um, and even better for me, um, I'm a huge double dragon fan and way forward developed a game about, probably 10 years ago at this point on the Xbox 360 generation called double dragon neon. And it was basically a remake of the original double dragon, but in this like super eighties cheesy style with Jake Kaufman, the, the music artist that does shovel Knight and other great things did the soundtrack for that. And he did fully voiced lyric audio tracks in like eighties style. Um, well, anyhow, Way forward did that, and there are crossover characters that have shown up in River City Girls. One is Skull Mageddon, which was the main <laughs> villain of River City or of Double Dragon Neon, and he's basically Skeletor, but amped up like you know Robot Chicken style, where he's just like, "I'll get you yet, yeah." Um, and so there's lots of cameos. Uh, you guys missed that excellent performance he just did. <laughs> Because you can't see it, but he actually emoted and did the fist pump. And was, and <laughs> but uh, a Bobo is in it as a villain from Double Dragon. And so if you're a fan of those beat-em-up games, especially Double Dragon and maybe River City Ransom, this is a definitely must-buy. And it's a good co-op game. And Yeah, it's a great co-op game just to spend some time. And it does have online in addition to local. But anyhow, uh, definitely recommend the sound. Oh, the soundtrack. I don't mm-hmm. remember who does the soundtrack for this, but it's 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 yeah, great. it was really good. It's really good. So not something that you'd expect out of a kind of an indie fighter. Yeah, and I think it it just kind of showed up. I mean, it, people knew it was coming out, but I don't think anybody expected it to be this kind of high quality. Well, and the attitude and the writing for the main characters is just awesome. And they they play with expectations on some of the villains. Like you end up in a fight early on in the game with this uh, giant woman who's the hall monitor and her whole motivation for why she's attacking you. And it's, it's weird. And it's then really weird at the end of it. There's kind of a transition and she kind of becomes a friend. And right. It's, it's kind of cool. Anyhow, so. let's move on to a little 
indie sensation. Oh, All right. Wait, I you told can't myself. Call me <laughs> on using an overused trite <laughs> phrase and then do it yourself. So uh, back near Comic-Con, Marvel showed back up in Hall H and yep. kind of debuted their phase four. Yes, they and are making I more. Think, I know we're all surprised they're continuing the Marvel Universe. Well, and I think you and I have differing kind of opinions on this. I, I think know, we I do. We've, we've, uh, we were both disappointed that there isn't another Captain Marvel movie. For different moving reasons. On, moving on. So <laughs> I think you and I both thought, you know, is after we got the Infinity Saga, are we going to have the momentum reset. and kind of feeling um i kind of felt like they were going to do a reset i i never thought that because they've got to find a way to integrate the new properties they bought which is fantastic four and x-men right so that's definitely part of it but x-men and fantastic four are not in phase four right nothing's in phase four there's very little in phase four we've got shang chi and the ten rings we've got blade again which i'm excited for blade I don't know anything about it yet because it's just a logo at this point. Oh, yeah. It was a logo fest. But uh, (laughs) I think a big part of it is they're doing a lot of – they're promoting the Disney Plus series as part of Phase 4. Right. So a lot of the returning Avengers or Avengers tangent uh, are – Yeah, and and I think I'm going to add to where you're going, which is I'm more excited for the Disney Plus shows than I am for any of the movies they announced, really. The only one I'm kind of interested in – well, there's two. There's Doctor Strange yeah. and there's Black Panther 2. Yeah. Well, and they've said Doctor Strange is going to tie in directly to WandaVision. And there's going to be something. I mean, and it's called the Multiverse of Madness is the name of the title. Do you think so we that, get. Huh. That alone kind of makes your mind kind of jostle. But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of excited. It's kind of low key, which is what I wanted. No, I that's want... a TV show on Disney Plus. <laughs> Not low key. Low... Oh, my gosh. Kind of understated, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's kind of yeah, kind of chill, kind of like none of these are like, oh my god, it's it's Infinity War three or whatever. Yeah, but um, I was expecting at least a level heroes, and most of the stuff, I don't know. But a level heroes, I I think Marvel's done a good job. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. They were pretty much nobodies, nobodies until that movie. Well, which came version, out. right? Right. <laughs> um. <laughs> All, all the versions. And their track record's been good. And it means we might get to see some new styles, some newer genre bends, you know, like, you know, how they've done heist movies and mm-hmm. spy thrillers. I mean, well, and there's rumors that one of the movies that didn't make the cut for phase four was the next Ant-Man movie because they kind of wanted to try something new. And again, I know I get in trouble every time I point this out, but I mean, maybe the future is non middle-aged white guys. And Marvel has completely bought into that. I think they have alienated a good portion of their traditional fans. And they've brought on a lot of new non-traditional fans. We just have to see how it all plays out. I'm just, I'm concerned with the corporatization of diversity. I think, yeah, I mean, that's. And we've talked about that, but I don't want to dive into it now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely an issue. But I mean, we've gotten all the big heroes. I mean, I think phase five, I think you're going to definitely see a resurgence. I think this is the off key again, understated phase, you know, phase five. If X-Men are coming back, fantastic four coming back, but it's three years worth of movies. Can the survive for three years of understated low key? It's Disney. I think they will be fine. 
Well, I'm not worried about Disney's profit. I'm worried about the interest in the characters and the interest in the stories. I think I think they have a good track record. Well, let's speak. Let's tie that into the other thing. So, um, since our last episode, there's been a little drama around a certain property of a what's his name, Night Monkey. Night Monkey. Um, he he's not getting his own series. It's Spider-Man. Yeah. So Sony and Marvel were like, "I'm not getting enough money. Neither am I." Now, first off. The, the the internet drama around this, and I'm just I'm gonna. It's all vent. a tool for their negotiation. I'm gonna vent right now. No, you're gonna Neither... vent at the end of the episode under one dumb thing. Remember? Oh yeah, that's what I did list. Anyhow, I'll <laughs> vent then. But okay, but he's back uh, supposedly. But for the, one episode, if you, or if one, you read one, if one you movie. read into the statement, it's really weird. First off, he's back for one standalone film and one MCU crossover. Right. Secondly, Amy Pascal. One of the head executives of Sony. If you've ever seen an interview with her, I recommend you do it because she's really weird. <laughs> right? Well, who in Hollywood isn't? No, but she's. But I agree. I yeah. Not well adjusted. I mean, she's been at the center of a number of controversies over the yeah. years. Um, but she said Spider-Man is the only superhero who has the superpower to cross cinematic universes. Now, if you're reading into that extrapolating on that venom sony's property while maybe i didn't get into it and you liked it i did but i but i had to look at it as a comedy not as a superhero movie right was successful it made sony Very. money right? for the money they put into it it made a lot of money it, it was successful which means sony's not going to stop i have a lot of issues we've already voiced previous episodes of venom's characters inherently tied to spider-man right yeah yeah, at least traditionally. I mean, yeah. Like I mean, Eddie it didn't Brock have to be if it was symbiote coming off of Spider-Man to Eddie. Brock well, that's the only that. reason Venom had Spider-Man powers, right? Otherwise, the symbiotes shouldn't have had Spider-Man powers. Exactly, would have just been symbiotes. So maybe he gets off of Eddie Brock, goes to Tom. He has Holland, photography and then, powers, and then he comes back to Eddie Brock. Like, sorry, I left you. Feeding further into the romance thing. Yeah, but anyhow, so crossing cinematic universes, and I think. Uh, Kevin Feige said something else about crossing over cinematic universes as well. Does that mean we might actually get the conglomeration of the all the generations of uh, cinematic Spider-Man? You mean an Into the Spider-Verse kind of story? Yeah. I would be interesting. And um, I mean, obviously... I think it, Sony's doing Sony... far better with that property in animation. Yeah. And to bring it into live action, I think, would undercut well, story. and I have a lot of opinions of Marvel not being involved with Spider because they're de- they've been developing on and off and limbo all these Spider adjacent films. Hey, Morbius is Morbius, Silver Sable, Black Cat. Um, what was the other one they just Craven? Craven, yeah. But again, Spider Man's not in those because <laughs> he's not important to any of those. It's stories. sort of like, and again, I don't. This is very. I'm tangenting off the tangent here. No, but this it's is, like this is it's like the Pennyworth. TV Please show don't. I was, that was what I was going to put in my one dumb thing for this week because they actually have the season finale for Pennyworth, and I'm like, and why I'm, is this even a show? I, again, I, I by the like way, he's dead. Alfred. I like how they've developed him, especially after the new Fifty Two and kind of going into his he's secret dead. service. Pass. They just killed him. That's a spoiler, Sean. And sorry, but retroactively, no, I'm not going to do it. He's died like five times in continuity. It's comics, but <laughs> nobody stays dead in comics. I, I have a hard time trying to get like it was like Gotham. 
I know some people like Gotham, and I'm not dissing you. If you like something, I'm not trying to crap on it. I think you are. No, I'm not. I'm really not. If anybody likes something, you should embrace that because it brings people joy, and I don't want to. But for me personally, Mm -hmm. my opinion, it's hard for me to get into a show where it's like, yeah, Batman's villains, they all existed before Batman. Like, no, like the whole idea of Batman is he shuts down the crime families and these crazier villains come. That's part of it. Just like the Joker film, which well, I haven't seen. You haven't seen. Right. Right. But it's like, again, not knowing who the Joker is, is part of the mystique of Joker. And having the variable, I mean, Grant Morrison created a backstory for him, but even the backstory, he was an unreliable narrator. Exactly. And that's the point. He's crazy. He, He doesn't remember things the way he should. Right. He went through a trauma or maybe he's just evil. We don't know. Right. Hey, he shot Batgirl. I guess we'll worry about that now. (laughs) So anyhow, Spider-Man back. Is he though? Do you think they're going to just finish? I think this is another cash grab because it was a sudden break and it was. Are they just going to give him a happy ending after the third episode? And kind of Spider-Man, you can't give him a happy ending. Well, I mean, is he going to go to the, they're going to cut his MCU ties off and then he's going, going to the Spider-Verse. And that's the last we'll see. Maybe he has to run away from J. Jonah Jameson's revelation that he in, in Mysterio's revelation. Well, that was the leading rumor, you know, of how they're going to do this. If he's going to, you know, go to another universe because people know who he is. I mean, where Aunt May is old. And <laughs> oh, Adam, that's the other thing they did announce this week was a Madam Web film. I again, I think it has to be tied to Into the Spider Verse as the next Into the Spider Verse movie. Madam Web makes sense, but it's not anime. That's live action. I. I but people in their 50s don't look like old gray-haired grandmas anymore. And, yeah. If they ever did. I'm, I mean, I know not around. But... We would love to hear your thoughts on the Spider-Man drama of two big conglomerates, which we'll get into in our dumb things. But what's next, Sean? That's yours. So everybody knows that I'm currently uh, fallen out of love to a large extent with a lifelong. Another Disney-owned uh, property? Disney, well, maybe because it's a Disney-owned property, I've kind of fallen out of love with it which is Star Wars. And that's okay. I'm grow- maybe I'm finally growing up. I just don't care about what's coming up with the you know, rise of Skywalker's genes or whatever. <laughs> um, but the thing I still do care about when it comes to Star Wars, because I have not grown up. <laughs> I was is- going to say, like, you mentioned growing up with what you're talking about. Well, no, I, I, I understand the irony of this statement, but is I still like to collect stormtroopers. And there are so many stormtroopers because they actually sell, whereas Ray dolls don't sell. So I always pay attention when there's a big movie release coming out for the Star Wars saga because I still collect the cool vehicles and, you know, the, the, the ships action figures. And the, and, yeah. Yep. So this year we have three big releases for the property. We have... Skywalker's revenge or whatever or resolution or resurrection. The rising of his genes is what yeah. you said. Rising of his genes. Rise of Skywalker's genes. Um, then we have uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which is a large game released by EA, which I'm sure will be which amazing. Everybody's, you know, holding their, their breath hey, for that one. You know, The Force Unleashed was a really good game, the first one. Yeah. So Jedi Fallen Order could be a really good game too. Could be. Sean, I could be, a, you know, I could win the lottery. You could. <laughs> it is completely possible. It is not probable. Uh, but the third thing is the release of Disney Plus and, and the exclusives for The Mandalorian. Right. Which, again, I could go either way on this. Um, Are you going to watch The Mandalorian? 
I'm probably going to watch at least the first few episodes. I right. watched Titans. I might as well give the Mandalorian <laughs> a shake. Um, and, and I really want to see the, the Obi-Wan show when it comes out. But so Triple Force Friday, they did the big announcement um, the last week of September. And the first week of October, the first Friday in October, they're breaking the street date and releasing all of the toys for all of these big media tie-ins. So there's a bunch of new stormtroopers and new villains from the star Wars movie. There's uh, the second sister, which is a, an inquisitor who's chasing down the main character in the star Wars video game. And then there's like the Mandalorian himself and his cast of characters that are being released. Right. Now here's the thing where this goes full on Disney. Traditionally, the Black Series have been the six-inch kind of higher quality, better articulation collector's figures. And those are the ones that I tend to buy when I look at, like, display figures. And uh, so there's a number of six-inch Black Series coming out. But with these releases, not Marvel, Disney has decided to release the carbonized and first release versions of black series. So they're creating an artificial scarcity for the collector's market and they're exclusive to certain stores. Yeah. So like, you've got to find the one that they send to your local target and have a box of 300 Leia Organa solo figures. Are you surprised? I mean, the pop vinyl things have been well, doing that forever. Oh, and there's a and bunch there's... of pop vinyls they announced too. And they're only available at your local 7-Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so Triple Force Friday is interesting. Now, the one thing I'm disappointed so there's th- three vehicles that they're putting out, and you've seen the basement. I've got my vehicles on display. Uh, they're re releasing Luke's X Wing. Okay. They're releasing an orange and white version of Poe's X Wing. Continue. That just went off on its own. Yeah, the Master Sword's getting pulled out again. <laughs> and then. They're releasing a what they call a Raider ATST. Now the thing is that this is effectively two toys. Right. One is an old sculpt from the Return of the Jedi that they're re-releasing at a hundred dollars, and two of them are the same, basically the same toy with some slight changes in detailing that they're releasing at a hundred dollars a piece. And I'm just like, oh yeah, they've realized that kids don't play with these toys anymore. So they're charging the collectors an arm and a leg. So, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm getting jaded. No, it's definitely a first world problem, but it kind of sucks because it's inconsistent with what they've done. You know, I'm thinking about taking up Gunpla and it's, just I moving mean, it's, away from Star Wars. You know, as we had at the beginning of the episode, the Amiibos. One, the what? Good, the Amiibos? What are you talking about? We These little about things for here that I have a thousand of. We haven't talked about Amiibos. We haven't? No. Oh, maybe that was something I was dreaming earlier. <laughs> Um, you know, the one thing that's at least consistent is the price has been consistent with them. There's no, they've done some exclusivity, but they always end up showing up everywhere. Well, in the black series have been between 10 or 15 and $20 a piece. Right. Now some of these exclusives are $25 in limited qualities. Yeah. And that's, I, I hate limited scarcity for things like that. It's like if they had a limited edition Amiibo, which they've done, uh, not really the gold Mario, but it came back. Okay, maybe Nintendo gets a little bit of credit. Nintendo gets, they get chastised because of the, you know, like with the NES Classic and all of that stuff. But again, that's maybe, maybe I'm 
too much of a fanboy, but that's honestly, I don't think Nintendo knows what they're doing as opposed to being intentionally <laughs> evil. Well, they didn't like, they were like, this NES classic isn't going to be that popular. And I guess I'm starting to get to the point in my life where I'm realizing that Disney is evil. Disney knows what they're doing. I'm waiting for Disney to buy EA. Oh, oh, that. Well, Disney knows it doesn't want to be in the video game business. Oh, it's that, failed that one a few that times. That made me throw up on my mouth a little bit. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, Nintendo Switch game came out. A new, the next entry in the Legend of Zelda is here. And it's a huge remake of a Game Boy game. I was going to say, it's... No, it's not. It's pretty. It looks like a living toy game. Like It is. They did a they did a new art style for this game. Um, so, no, if you haven't heard, it's Link's Awakening, which mm-hmm. was the first handheld Zelda game for the original Game Boy. Not color. Not color. Originally. It they was did, green. They did redo it for the Game Boy Which color. was convenient because Link always wears green. But uh, Link's Awakening is in that era of Zelda games. It was the fourth Zelda game where they still, you know, it wasn't so formulaic, so to speak. You know how, like, everybody's like, oh, every Mario games, every 2D Mario game's the same. This is only the third top-down Zelda game, and it doesn't involve any, it's not in Hyrule. Right. It's a standalone story. It's a good story. And there's lots of weird, quirky stuff in it. And that's covered in the encyclopedias, which is one of the things I enjoyed reading about was right game because it was almost like it wasn't meant to be a zelda game well they had so uh the developers have said they thought when it was on game boy they're like oh we can do whatever it's not an nes title we can just throw in characters from mario and kirby nobody's gonna care (laughs) yeah um which is funny because when they remade it they went and talked to hal and all the mario developers and said is it okay if we throw them back and everybody's of course yeah sure but anyhow they've redone the art style it's the it's a one to one remake with a couple of flourishes and a new stupid dungeon maker mode that's really just slapped on, but it's not required. Okay. Um. So if you haven't played Leaks and Awakening, I highly recommend it. This is a really good Zelda game. Fantastic music. Um. The funny thing about the art style is when Wind Waker came out. Mm-hmm. What was what were all the the bros saying about Wind Waker when it came out? It looked like a kids game, right? It's now, cartoony. Yeah. Where's my serious Link? Now what's everybody serious. saying about Link's Awakening? Oh, I love how cute it is. <laughs> yeah. Times have changed. Kawaii. <laughs> uh. So um, I've played it a little bit, but again, it's a one-to-one remake. I've played Link's Awakening before, but I again, where Breath of the Wild was this huge open world experience, Link's Awakening is this really charming small game. Well, and it was built for a system that didn't have a lot of memory, so it needed to be small. And it's also yeah, but it isn't, and though. Play. At the same time, it isn't small. Well, for the Game Boy, it, it's it's an adventure. It will take you 10 hours to get through the Zelda game. Well, and we'll come back to the conversation about how long games should be. Let's do that. But in general, I mean, you're right. It, it was long for a Game Boy game. Right. But it it's an adventure. Like, that was that was the era, and I was talking to somebody about this recently. Is that That's where Nintendo kind of set itself apart from the Game Gear, right? Mm-hmm. Game Gear was like, oh, we're going to throw Sonic on here, but it's going to be a shitty version of Sonic. And a short one. And it's gonna be a short, like point. two worlds. And Nintendo's <laughs> like, "Hey, we can throw Zelda on the Game Boy." It's, and it's it does, yeah. It's it's small, but at the same time, it's a full adventure. It's yeah. it's big. Yep, it is bigger than you're thinking. Well, anyway, moving on from that to another game, which yes. doesn't even have a title. Yes, and almost had a title, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, uh, they almost gave this game a title, but instead they left it untitled and they just described it. Yes, and I think it's the perfect. 
<laughs> non-titled title. Yeah, which is the Untitled Goose Game. Oh my gosh, have which you played we were... this yet? Oh, I haven't played it, but I. Oh my gosh! I remember it's... when we were talking about it before release, and it we is just like... so good. So I've only ever seen played the uh, the garden level. Yeah, which is hilarious. Cause... It's an open world game. Oh wow! I mean, to some extent, but yeah, it's it's. And I've seen some like cuts where the, the goose has to put its beak in a bottle yes. and then scare a kid into yes. a booth. Oh my gosh! Booth or so, something. have you ever wanted to be a goose that wrecks people's lives? So, have I ever told you what we call Canadian gooses? Geese? No, they're not. They're gooses. Okay. Okay. No. <laughs> Canadian geese. The Canadian goose gooses. Canadian goose geese. It doesn't matter. The ones that used to always, when we had the apartment and we had the water And in the you back, had the pond nearby. The ponds, yeah. So we always were visited by migrating geese. International, internationally protected waterfowl. That's true. Well, we called them bastards. <laughs> yes. Because they are. They are. <laughs> so no, this, is a, this is a game where you play a goose and you can honk. There's a dedicated honk button. Oh, honk. That's good. Like you do. Um, and you can pick stuff up. And basically it gives you a task list. So it's like Crazy Taxi? Um, not sort of, not really, <laughs> but you, you get a task honk list and it's like, you get a task list. It's like, Hey, you need to make a picnic, go get a sandwich, a thermos and this and bring it over here. And the idea is there are people in the world, humans, and they see you and you're a goose and they don't mess with you until you start taking their stuff. And then like, stop, stop. So it's all about, it's sort of like a metal gear solid meat, but they don't like shoot you. So no, you, you don't die. Yeah. You just, and you can honk at them to scare them. And it just, it's so funny. And actually the developers were like, we, we thought about making a game with several different animals and we decided upon a goose because people are afraid of geese because geese are very aggressive, but people don't view geese like snakes or scorpions as fully Kind of like goats. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like goat like simulator. A, yeah, like goat simulator. It's like, they know they're like bastards, but they don't have this like, you know, so and and the other thing is they they talked about making the goose kind of a blank slate. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't really emote much so that you can kind of read it. It does when I play it. You, arr, arr. Well, you you are kind of taking yeah. full possession of of that geese's uh goose's personality so to speak. But yeah, you can chase down a kid, you can untie his shoes and take his <laughs> glasses and chase him around. There's one scene where um you sneak into a shop and then you push a button and then you're on all the TVs in the electronics store. That's um, funny. I, I definitely have to play. And there's there's hidden missions and stuff. And the music is um, it's essentially Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, and it's sort of adaptive piano music in that style. That's so awesome. the more you know when you sneak in somewhere, it gets it's so good, and I highly recommend it. But uh, let's move on. Sure. Uh, what are we moving on to? So next on our list is Mario Kart. Tour. I'm not going to talk about this one. You're not going to talk. I about haven't this played one? it. I, I've played it, but I'm already done with it. But because I don't play mobile Nintendo games, you don't play mobile games. I don't. We the know Switch this. is a mobile system. No, only when I'm carrying it. No. So Nintendo released another mobile game, Mario Kart Tour, mm-hmm. for iOS, and I is it on Android now? I may not be. I haven't seen it. If it is. So they brought Mario Kart to the phone mobile systems with touch controls and, of course, gotcha mechanics. Gotcha mechanics of unlocking carts and characters, and there's rubies, and there's. Now, the cool thing about this game is it looks good. It looks great. 
the sound effects are like Mario Kart, and they've brought over a ton of courses from you have previous to pay Mario for the Karts. courses or unlock them with playtime. It's sort of like that where they're only giving you certain courses at certain times. Or they rotate them. Yeah. Okay. The gameplay, the control, is shit. Sorry for my <laughs> language. The touch controls are horrible. Yeah. Now, there's also motion controls, also horrible. Now, Mario Kart, surprisingly, the motion controls on the Wii are mm-hmm. much more responsive than this. Oof. Um, Those were not good. In addition to that, the first character you unlock is Toad. You know how everybody was excited about that? They're not. Mario is very hard to unlock. There are other characters like Pauline, which you have a 1% chance of getting. In addition to that, there is a $5 a month subscription to just get additional in-game currency. You pay $5 to get $5? Yeah. That doesn't even make sense. So as much as I want to like this game, I am done with Nintendo's mobile games. They've they've just constantly gone downhill. Super Mario Run had a great um, model. Mm-hmm. The first four courses are free. Pay, I think it was $10 to unlock the rest of the game. Done. Well, I, I get to say Animal Crossing. I still see people playing. Yeah, and I was talking to my wife about that because she's, she's still, still playing, playing it. it. Yeah. And so my question mine. to her was, when Animal Crossing comes out for Switch, what's going to happen? And she said, I'm most likely not going to play this anymore. And, and it's and it, they hit at the right time where Animal Crossing's been a while mm-hmm. since the 3DS version. But And they've made some stupid changes. We were just talking recently about what you do with in-game items and how they're wasting more of your time. They changed a feature where you can turn in trash for stuff. I am done with these. They, they really turned me off of mobile games. So, okay. Can we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Sorry. I'm slowing you down. You're a little vitriolic there. Uh, Was I? (laughs) Yeah. Me about Nintendo. About some, you, you were actually negative. so we should capture that. This is no an because you're not really mad at Nintendo. You're mad at the developer they hired. Yeah, but to Braille Nintendo is endorsed. Like they're allowing this. Aren't you going to play your? Well, maybe Nintendo just doesn't know it's evil. I don't think they care as long as it makes them money, and that's ultimately the bottom line. Okay, well that's reasonable. Yeah, they have that obligation to their shareholders. Exactly. All right, so the next one is mine, and and I don't think you know much about this one. I don't. Which is a Namco Bandai release that came out uh, recently, uh, which is effectively anime waifu souls. Waifu souls? Oh yeah, yes, yes. So the waifu craze is is all over. There's so much waifu to this game. Okay. Uh, so it, it's like Fire Emblem waifu levels. Oh, worse. No, 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 it's not worse. It's not worse from the relationship side. It's worse from the exploitative sexuality side. Quote unquote fan service. Oh, it is all fan service. <laughs> I mean, the first character you meet when you wake up at the beginning of the game is this woman in white dress that's all torn and you can see under boob and she's got ginormous knockers. And of course, nobody remembers her history and she's guiding you. And I'm like, oh, and this is after spending like so four what is, hours in the character what generator. What is the game? The game is effectively that your character is resurrected as a vampire or the vampire-like creature called a revenant. And you're, you wake up into this post-apocalyptic 
earth situation with this white woman. Well, that sounded weird. Yeah. Uh, This woman in white, actually she's called the woman in white. Um, and what you find out is that vampires are the result of genetic experimentation. And then there's this plague that turns people who don't transition over into vampirism. They're called the lost. Wasn't that the theme of a film a couple years ago? Yeah. Something like that. Daybreak. Yeah. Something like like that. Um, and so your character, there's actually, and this is the part, I'm not very far in, it, it unlocked on Friday, we're recording this on Saturday. Is this a console game or PC game? This is PC and console. Okay. And it's on, it's it's not on the Switch, it's on the other consoles. Uh-oh. Well, it's Namco Bandai, and we know that they generally release their games on the Switch, but it's always later. Right. Um. So, the reason I call it like anime waifu souls is unlike most souls games, this actually does have a story and they're voiced characters and it's not like exploratory, but it has the same kind of winding maps that unlock and loop back on themselves. And you consume souls or blood to level up and there's items you can consume to level up and unlock new abilities. Uh, one of the cool things about this first off, visually it's really interesting. Um, but from a class-based, you know, in your Souls games, you tend to be able to invest in certain things because of the role-playing access or role-playing um, nature of the Souls games. This one has that, but you switch classes. You have what's called a blood code, and basically you can dynamically switch your class and level up abilities within each class that you unlock. Okay. And then you can build a kind of a shuffled mix of the classes where you transition based on the enemies you're fighting. So there's really some good strategic depth here. Right. Um, the game is responsive. It's pretty to look at. It's got. So it's like a music. Dark Souls sort of. Yeah. Okay. That's why I'm saying Souls. Okay. Yeah. It. It's and it's so like slow, methodical, kind of yes. wait for your opening. But it's it's to a attack. little bit less methodical than a Dark Souls game. Okay. But you do absolutely have to do your stamina conservation, and counter and, and, and parry and, and, and all counters that stuff. and parries and dodge okay. and. So if you're a fan of the Dark Souls games and you really just need your fan service anime fix around vampires, it's not a bad idea to play this one. Um, and it's it's got the stupidly large weapons and you know skimpy on underwear and that people are parading in an apocalypse to of course kill undead creatures with dance and, like nobody's watching. Well, and then the boss battles are actually probably the best part of it. And it's very similar to, to the Dark Souls series with that. So if you're a fan of the Dark Souls games and you have a, you like anime, then this is probably something you should check out. Uh, if you're not a fan of anime or Dark Souls independently, well, if you're not a fan of Dark Souls, don't even bother. Uh, you're not going to get through the story if you're a big anime fan, but you can't play a game like Dark Souls. In terms of difficulty. Well, and, and I always like to tell people that Dark Souls is only difficult until you figure it out. Yeah, it's part it's, of the gameplay. It's, it's not cool. like a 1987 NES game where it's badly programmed. I agree. I think it, and it also you have to have patience to play those games. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not, not Wizards a button masher, beat em up sort of. Yeah, if you go in like running to try and destroy somebody, you're going to yeah. get killed. Right. You know, and knowing when you want to back off and use ranged attacks versus, it's kind of like Astral Change. Right. Or in the chain. Not I would even put that on a list. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So last of our tangents, it's a three-part tangent. 
we've covered emulation a lot in the past and kind of the idea that, you know, all of these companies are cashing in on the, the false illusion of nostalgia. Right. And the latest to do that is Sega with the Sega Genesis Mini. Yeah, and Sega's had lots of little retro consoles. But they also have licensed their consoles out. Yes. To... They've, they've been other parties. I think it was At Games or at, somebody. Yep. I've and got one, actually. They've have they used to have the ability where you could put the cartridge in and it would do like a retron sort of play emulation take the hardware. mom and play it down. Yep. No, Sega released one officially by Sega, not through a third party. Right. The Sega Genesis Mini. The great thing about this console is A, they went to M2 to do mm-hmm. the emulation. Um, M2 was the people behind Mega Man Legacy Collection, right? Yes. Yeah. Originally. Yep. Really good in terms of remaking and remastering old ROMs for modern day in terms of and then lag and making sure it's an authentic experience compared to the old games. So um, the opposite of the PlayStation Mini. Right. The other cool thing about the Sega Genesis Mini is they didn't do necessarily what they did with the Sega Genesis Classics compilation they did where they picked mm-hmm. all the big games they kind of did a, a smattering of you know the the highlights of sonic it's got Sonic. so do you think it's more focused around kind of the diversity of the game library yes yes no they totally went into some deep dives here castlevania bloodlines is on it awesome which is awesome which we also have an emulation now too but well, we just got but yeah. again that's not been part of like that sega's not recognized as a sega's um we got Sonic 1 and 2. We got uh, Light Crusader, which I love. Light, Light Crusader's Crusader. a great game. We got Land Stalker. And Shining Forces games, right? Shining Force 2? Two? Yeah. 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 Um, Shinobi 3. Which Again, Shining Forces, in many ways, are the predecessor to what we would now look at as a um, Advance Wars or... Right. It's Shining Force 1. Okay. Um, Shinobi 3, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen in many compilations. Um, Eternal Champions. Oh God! The first <laughs> Contra- game that needed a six-button controller. Contra Hardcore. Again, Ooh. a good Contra game. Yeah. Unlike Rogue, whatever it was called, Rogue, Rogue Core. Core that just came out. Yeah. So we've gotten a lot of it's. It's a lot of different little games and in, in big games that you're expecting. It's a good diversity, like you said, of mm-hmm. the library, and it's forty-two games, which is pretty good for these consoles. It's what seventy dollars. Uh, sixty-nine. Yeah, seventy dollars. Yeah. Two controllers out of the box. Are they wired or wireless? They're wired USB controllers, which you can use in your PC as well. Really? Yes. Six buttons? Uh, three button controllers. Okay. So how do you play Eternal Champion? Um, I don't remember. It needs six buttons. I think the 32X version did. I don't think the Genesis version did. No, the Genesis did because it was the whole reason I bought it. The six button uh, controllers. It's a, good, it's a great question. We'll have to figure that one out. Yeah. We'll get back to you on that. The thing that sold Jared on this, on this, again, I'm. You all know I'm a little biased towards uh, Nintendo compared to Sega. See, I was a Sega guy. Yeah, and I know people are Sega people too. I, I, my brother had the Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. and I played Light Crusader, which I loved. Um, Beyond Oasis, which is on this. Another great Gunstar game. Heroes is on this as well. Oh, um, one of the best games ever made. Yeah, that's a treasure game. No, there's two games on this that were never quite released in the u.s um one castle illusion no i no. played that on the gem system. is mega man which you're saying mega man that was a nintendo until the ps1 well mega man the wily wars is a right. sega genesis remake yep. of the first three games and um it was released 
in Europe as cartridge. It was released in North America through the Sega channel. Do you remember that, Sean? I do. The like $80 per I month do. subscription you had to get the cable modem that into your Genesis. Yeah. I know so many people that had that. Yeah. A- AKA none. Oh, it's got Vector Man. Yeah. Another great game. Um, and Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah. The other thing about Mega Man The Wily Wars is after you beat the first three games, it has additional content where you can pick any of the weapons from Mega Man 1, 2, or 3, and you kind of go through a challenge stage to fight Wily one more time. Wow. In addition to that kind of uh, rarity, there's another game on there that was never released officially because of the licensing wars of Tetris. Darius? Darius is on there as well. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But Tetris, Tetris for the, the Sega, Sega Genesis, which they were in the works for when they were trying to fight for all the rights and which system was going to have it. Um, it's on here as well. Now, it's not going to be a great Tetris. It's not going to be. A, How but do you know? I don't know. It's Tetris. It can't be bad. Uh, you really want to say that? Are you? Re- what are you referencing? Uh, the Tengen Tetris. Oh, yeah. Tengen Tetris. <laughs> yeah, it, again, it's not horrible. It was serviceable. It was but... serviceable. But no, another cool kind of collector item mm-hmm. way it's an officially released version of tetris in the second genesis so i if you haven't picked up any of the compilations i think this is a very cool worth it in terms of if you break down the cost per game right if you haven't bought one of the other compilations and the emulation's great uh yeah really cool i'm really happy sega did this i think sega's kind of coming back and kind of reference you know they they've had a couple rough years with their publishing but all right Sean. Yeah. Uh, main topic time? Sure, let's move into the main topic. It's, it's, it's time. It's time. So I finally got Jared to admit that he's going to play Destiny 2. Um, uh, or actually, we're going to talk about why you won't. Yeah, so <laughs> I chose this this episode's main topic. I wanted to talk about games as a service and sort of why I don't play these. And maybe, you know, to hear, Sean and I were talking about this kind of off the, the cast, so, you, so to speak. And... You know, to me, it's... Are games getting too big for their britches, so to speak? Well, I think that's a general question, and I think we've touched on that before. Um, I think it depends on the game. I think it depends on the game. Now, I I played the first Destiny, and I liked the first Destiny. I liked liked pretty much everything about it. I liked the shooting, the gameplay, the moment-to-moment. But here's the thing that Destiny didn't give me. Um, I didn't play it till the end. Um, and Destiny 2 came out, and I still haven't finished Destiny 1, and I know I can get into Destiny 2 without worrying about Destiny 1. Absolutely. But and it'll be free as of next week. The other thing is, I want experience. Whenever I play these games, there's not like a bookend experience, and that's part of these games of the service kind of problem. Like World of Warcraft, it never ends. It's still going on today. In fact, it's going on today, but people are like, remember the old World of Craft? When we it- like that better. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Remember having to fight over loot? Remember having yeah, to kill 37 so wolves? That's the other thing about some of these games is again, the the 
if you look at the show notes, it's what turns Jared off of games as a service is that you have to put in a lot of time in these games. You can play these games up to over 100 hours easily. Now, that being said, you're not required to, but in order to kind of keep up with where your friends are playing with these games, it does make a difference. Now, they have made changes to like Borderlands and stuff. If you are at a lower level, it kind of compensates. Mm-hmm. But so they've instanced the other enemies. thing about games as a service, and this is one of the things that kind of turned me off of Borderlands 2, was when I played it with a friend, he had played it six times in a row already. So when we were going everywhere, I wasn't really discovering it as much as I was tagging along. So this is a challenge that we've experienced as people who try to play games together. Right. And when we were playing Destiny uh, at my birthday party last yeah. year, we were under understaffed for a raid because we none of us had done raids, right? right? We're like we've all played through a certain point in the game. We got enough light level to. And I think we chose the hardest raid. We too. did choose the Vault of Glass, which was not the best raid to start with, right? Uh, but the the thing to your point is, and I find this challenge with any multiplayer online game, like ESO, like you know destiny 2 like rocket league like any of them well rocket leagues no i have other so and, and i'm when i talk about games as a service like rocket leagues and the overwatches and the esports games i think are in a different category and i do want to talk about those a little bit because those are easier to pick up and play and kind of invest that time because you can pick those and play those up well for like 30 and, minutes and, and this is in the notes too remember the biggest part of the conversation about these games including those especially including those is about rewards. Right. Right? So Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, you can play through the story-based missions, and there is a beginning and an end. It's, do you want to keep going? But is that that story mm-hmm. satisfying as much of a, as a single-player first-person shooter? So, like, you know... Uh, in the case of Destiny 2, as a fan of the game, I believe it is. I be- I've played Destiny 2 primarily as a single-player game. When I jump into public things, when I do quests, I don't do the raids. I don't get to do all the... F- I don't do the Crucible. I don't do the Gambits. I play the story. And I go to the maps and I do the independent little missions. Right. Right? Uh, for me, that is a story. That's storytelling. And it's it plays for me like a game of, you know, Call of Duty where I just have other people existing in the universe with me. Right. Um, so I, I, I think maybe you've gotten a different impression than I did because for me playing destiny with friends is always about finding us, putting us at the same level, having characters that have the same journey and on the same quests. Right. And it's the same in any MMO. Right. And that's been the biggest challenge that most of these games have had to face is you're the type of player who puts in 200 hours into a game. I'm the type of player who has three hours a week. Right. To play a game. We should be able to play together. Right. Because we're friends, but the but where it comes down to it is the rewards. So you're walking around in super cool armor with the amazing weapons, and yes, we can be auto-leveled to each well, other. And that's, and that's another thing I wanted to get into is sort of the rewards and now cosmetic rewards. But when, that's where I was saying that Rocket League and Overwatch are guilty of this as well. Okay. So no. Okay. Let me get my point of view on this. Okay. Is Overwatch and, and Rocket League are 100% cosmetic they do not affect the gameplay if you don't want to put any money into rocket league you can still get stuff 
or you can just not care. I can go yeah. play Rocket League on a PC, which I haven't, and have a great time just like I'm on my Switch console with all my stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? I can go in and play a match and be happy. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Overwatch. I don't really put a lot of investment in the skins in Overwatch. Well, but when you get into Destiny and Borderlands and World of Warcraft and what else did we mention here? Anthem and all these other games. It is not just cosmetic. It is your weapons, your loot, your armor, your gear. And you don't have any attachment to it because you're always looking for the next thing. But it's Diablo. Now, the, the person... That, but Diablo, you can play by yourself. Yeah. But the, I can play The Division by myself. I play Destiny by myself. Oh, you're playing a lot of games by yourself. I do, generally. <laughs> and it's not because I don't have friends who won't play with me. No, it's but because that's the way I best can experience it. For me, that was part of Diablo. Throwing that into every game type, to me, well, is not fun. Borderlands, one of the things I did not like is you have no attachment to the gun. You're always looking for something better. Very rarely do you get that cool gun that you can use for about 10 levels. Not in that game, no. <laughs> right? No. Destiny, I think, was a little better about it. I remember holding on to certain guns mm-hmm. for multi-levels. So another thing that's changed in Destiny since you were really an active player is you can keep your cosmetic-looking armor as long as you want. You just infuse it with a higher-level armor. Okay. So you can upgrade your stats if you find that look that you love. Right? And the same is true with guns. And they're about to rev all of that with the Shadow Keep as they go free-to-play. But... I, I I think you stop focusing on destiny I, again, search. and that's yeah. so. I want to shift. Let's shift our target here for a second to the division. Right. So the first division game was one of those games where it's a shared universe. You have missions. You go out into a semi-open world, like Destiny, and you do these small missions. And there's a narrative associated with it. The story does progress, and then you get to end game. So in end game, you've completed the story as far as it can go. Either there's going to be Add-on content, which is usually done through season passes in these games. Or you can buy expansions, right? Like, most of them use those models. But the thing is that the story is complete. If you choose to stay and continue to play, it's because you like the the, the gameplay loop. Or you're looking to grind for whatever but loop. But how long does that story take to complete? Reasonably. Um. So with the D- Division and Division 2... You're looking at a triple A length campaign. It's not is four hours. It's like twenty. Well, what is that? Is that for 20 a shooter? Or 40? It's about twenty hours. Okay. And then there's side missions and things. There's missions that you can do on this. You know, they get released over time. It really comes down to, and I put this in the notes too. It's content quality versus quantity. Right. I agree with that. And that's the difference between a good live service game and one that's just there for grinding. Right. And I think that. All of these games suffer from quality content being available as rapidly as most gamers can consume it. Right. If you're really a fan of one of these games, you can bust through the main storyline in a week. Well, I think the other problem I have with these is there's a ton. You we mentioned a ton, and you play a ton. I, I I want to find a good one and stick with one. I keep rotating around to try and find one where the majority of my friends play. It. Yeah. And I'm not in, in any of them. <laughs> I mean, I've stopped buying ESO expansions because I thought we were going to start building a group of people who wanted to play it. And I said, why do I keep throwing money? And I was at the point where I was logging in daily just to get the daily rewards. 
And that's another mechanic that I just But I, I would like. log in for two and a half minutes, get the reward, and log out. It wasn't but, useful for anybody. But that's what I mean. Like, I don't like that. So the reason that I put this as our main topic was essentially when, when I talked to Sean about games I'm looking forward to, he's like, oh, another indie game. Right. Oh, that's another indie game. I but don't always do that. You don't always, but it's it's a it's an ongoing running joke. We have our own I. flavors. We like right. right. Yeah, and I guess what I'm trying to get across as part of this main topic is why I lean towards those personally. Again, this is all opinion based. Again, if you like these games and find enjoyment and spend those hours, fantastic. Well, and, and for me, I can I can tell you why I do. It's because it has an emotional connection to the days when I ran land parties. The games as a service games, the ones I play, are effectively giant land games that I can play with my friends, whether they're in my house or not. And Jared played single player role playing games by himself all the time. And, and don't get me wrong, I played yeah. my fair share of 100 and 200 but hour I, games. I like but... to get through things and be done with them. You know, like these indie games, I like Untitled Goose Game is going to be Purpose Link and I'll be done with it. And Ape I'll Escape like, or huh? Ape Out? Yeah. Uh, ape out again yeah. it's a it's a contained experience it's very well defined the other part and this is maybe gonna where i'm gonna get a little offensive to some of you is these games are all the same to some extent Borderlands, so are most games i know but i mean and that's your indie being is that my indie, indie hipster vibe well, coming no out? and i don't mean it that I way mean, what i mean is that indie developers tend to experiment with gameplay exactly the triple a titles the big games as a service they they, they are risk averse Right, because they want to get as many people to play them. Right. But at the same time, it's sort of like, oh, this is sort of, this mechanic's exactly like this mechanic in this other game I've played. Yeah. Or, oh, they have took the system out of this system and put it in this game. And, again, I what I really liked about Destiny, and this goes to Bungie, is they've got shooting down. Mm-hmm. The shooting in that game is fantastic. Borderlands, I again, comparatively, I like Destiny. I agree. Um, I, I haven't played Borderlands three, so I don't know if it's improved. I'm sure it's it is. improved, but it's, but you know what I mean? Like they had that, the great thing that Bungie had was the, the waves enemies. They took that from Halo where they just have this really good pacing with enemies and Borderlands was just like, here's a bunch of enemies. My problem with destiny is more about lack of diversity. Right. In content. Right. It's, Oh, we're fighting these guys again. Oh, or it's more it's, of these guys, or this is an elite version of that guy. Or this guy has just got a different armor color. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. So, but that's I a mean, problem in Diablo, too. Also. Diablo yeah, but also. again, I think you can get through the main campaign of Diablo. I don't even play the main campaign anymore. I go straight to adventure mode. I know, but you can get through it pretty quick. Yeah. You know, you can play through it, and that's kind of how I used to play it. And then you choose a new class, and the classes were different enough. Destiny's classes... Not really hugely I different. Disagree. In the first one. They're the same classes in the second. You just have more subclasses now. Yeah. So there's more nuance to how you play. The game styles are Yeah. Borderlands, that developed. was I think one bigger advantage it had is the classes were pretty unique. Except in the original two Borderlands, the the game skill tree, there was a lot of junk in it. Yeah. Uh, that is one thing I didn't mention in my conversation about Borderlands three. I think they've trimmed down the skills and they're actually relevant and meaningful now. So they did a better job on that. but um, So there's one item that you had in here. Uh, you said, what about when they release a new version of the same world and then encourage players to abandon the old one? Well, we've seen that with a lot of games. Destiny, Division. Right. right. How long are they going to support those old games as a service when they've already moved on? Well, and that's that's another part I have is a, a part of the world building is, you know, that's the, 
the good thing that World of Warcraft has as a PC game is right. The other areas of the world are still there. True. Right. True. It's just a it's and it's, additive. The MMO model works that way. Right. right. But the the first person loot shooter doesn't really work that way. Um. No, it doesn't. And so I think we may be on the bridge of seeing a change in that with the where Bungie's going with with Destiny Two. It's not going to be Destiny Two anymore. It's going to be Destiny the game. And what if they release those areas again? You go back to them. That would be cool. Well, I, and that's, that's what I kind of want. So that gets you into true MMO Because the world gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and you kind of... But the timeline progresses. Exactly. And so I don't think they have the ability to go back to the Destiny 1 settings because it was Activision. Licensing issues, yeah. But with Destiny 2, they're able to move forward, and that's what they're doing. Okay. So they're reintroducing some characters from Destiny 1. They're reintroducing some places like the moon, right? And they're, But it's in the progression of the story. Right. And they're doing micro content. That's another thing that is interesting. Instead of the giant season pass, they're saying you can buy it a season at a time, right? And they're called seasons in the game, but they're events. And it's $10 per mini expansion. And, and they're optional. And they're optional, right. Because it right. just unlocks a zone or it unlocks new content or story. And which, again, for somebody like pl- me... If you're investing the time, it's not like you have to... Like, the the previous season passes is... You kind of had to get all of them. Or you couldn't play, like, the third one because the third one was good. But nobody liked the first or second one. Well, that's pretty much the way the last two games have gone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but now we're at the point where they're giving away all of that content for Destiny 2, day one. You get all of the older stuff and anything moving forward is going to be added in this kind of microtransaction approach. And when I say microtransaction, I don't mean it in the negative connotation. Right. It's just, it's small consumable chunks. It's not a $60 season pass. It's an optional $10. And you can buy the $10 pass for just the content that already is released. Right. So it's not like you're giving them money on escrow hoping that the next two seasons are good. Right. You're giving them money for this season, and then you're going to buy the next season. And that's good for their bottom line as well. So it it's, it's interesting because what we're seeing here with at least, and I know we're talking a lot about Destiny, but... Uh, and, in, and it's on the horizon, right? We're, we're talking, we're recording this two days, well, three days before the new Destiny goes live and the transition off of Activision Bungie and just to Bungie. Um... But one of the things that I think is is going to be interesting here is how do they shift from a big publisher, AAA studio kind of model, which is what they had with Activision Blizzard, to an indie studio running its own game as a service. Right. And and that could kind of determine the way a lot of these games transition over the next few years. Um, Let me give you a non-traditional games as a service game that we didn't put on our list. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah, I it is a games-as-a-service game. And we all know one thing about the Assassin's Creed theory or series. They release them annually or biannually. Yes. So how long do you have if you buy And put all game that money and time into it, yeah. Before they've moved on. And that's that's one thing I... I understand the Destiny model. Like, I'm not mad at Destiny or Bungie or that situation, right? We kind of knew what was happening. It yeah. was kind of... I mean, it was pretty... It was trans- evident in the game. It was pretty transparent <laughs> with what was happening. And, I mean, Bungie did a really good job of supporting Destiny 1, mm-hmm. regardless of... It's Activision's still up. Intent. It still has an active player base. Right. 
But uh, that kind of leads me into the, the last part of this main topic is games of a service in terms of gaming history. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge. Well, we're getting into a disposable. Right. Situation. Well, we've talked about that multiple times on the show uh, about digital versus physical and mm-hmm. kind of how are these games that are essentially online games going to be preserved? Now, World of Warcraft Classic, the reason that that came back is people were taking the code, running their private servers. Which and, they reverse engineer. And pre- preserving it. Yeah. And from a from a historical standpoint, I'm okay with that. Because again, I mean, I know well, and we've somebody... seen that with the MMOs over and over. So Star right. Wars Galaxies, there are private servers out there. City of Heroes, there was a huge private server project that just recently got shut down by NCSoft. Um, World of Warcraft, there are still private servers out there. You know, it's all about buying the game client and playing on your own server. Right. Are they the same as what the companies ran when they ran them? No. Because they're they're not. It's not like they get a copy of the server software and they're running it. Right. This was reverse engineered and written code without actually having right that server. Uh, but people still like the games they like, and so there's an effort in digital preservation around that. But to your point, Destiny One and the Division, when they go away, they're gone. Right. When they retire those game servers, there are going to be people out there who want to play it, but. That's They're, what I mean. It it kind of, I don't know. I just, it, it maybe I have a weird emotional attachment to that kind of concept of. Well, I'm sitting in your, you know, shrine to video games <laughs> past, and I agree with you. And I've been struggling with the fact that I'm buying more and more games digitally than I ever have before. So uh, an upcoming topic, and I've been compiling some, some notes. We're not going to make it part of this episode, but is I'm going to have a topic of why I buy games physical. We mm-hmm. mentioned Scott Pilgrim. Yep. It's never had a physical release, and that game's gone now. Right. You can't get it. Um, and that sucks, because, again, that's not a games-as-a-service game. Mm-hmm. You can play it without a server. But to your point, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd, I would... It all comes down to money. We've talked about this multiple episodes. Of, so let me, let me throw a counter question out here. Yeah. Are these games worth preserving? If they're based on the idea that there's a large user population playing... And they've retired the service, and the, and the majority of the players have moved on. Is it worth preserving it? Other I think, than as I think like, you answered that question unintentionally with yourself, is you can play these games single player and enjoy them. Mm-hmm. So my answer to you is yes. Okay. Right. It's it's not necessary, but it makes it adds. But Fallout seventy six, not a single player game. No. Well, that, I don't think anybody's going to be. Worried I'm, I'm about not even sure it's a game at this point, <laughs> but. But that's another example. And we've got an example of a big games-as-a-service failure, which is in the last two weeks, even gotten worse, which is BioWare's Anthem. Right. Which they gambled on, just like they did with Mass Effect Andromeda, and they did not hit the target. And now, instead of having a road to good, which Fallout 76 at least has a road to good, and they're doing, they're fixing their problems, EA is cutting bait on BioWare. Well, I think it's EA in general, right? I mean... We we talked about Battlefront. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I bought Battlefront one, the the reboot one, and I have the ultimate edition of that. And I was like, I I got Battlefront two I don't know for what free. I still don't play it. And yeah, so, so we would love to hear your comments on games as a service in general. You know, are you putting are these the games that interest you, or do you like single player experiences? Do you like a mishmash of both? Um, 
What, what yeah. are you into? And what do you see the future? We have Google Stadia coming out soon where the games are going to be in the cloud. They're, and then you're just paying for You're paying a monthly fee to play on any device. So the games are kind of ethereal at that point. Um, well, Apple, did I use that word right? Apple Games Store so, or Apple Plus, whatever it is. Apple Arcade. Apple and Arcade. I, have, I have some, maybe we'll save that for another episode again. But Apple Arcade, you're downloading a game. It's not really, it's a subscription game. But it's like series. Xbox it's Game Netflix. Pass. It's yeah, what it's, Nintendo's doing with their backlog of old games. And you're not really Microsoft owning is them. doing with Xbox Game Pass. And you're not really owning them. And that's a that's a kind of a it's related to games as a service, but it's also different, right? I mean, we still game have delivery least, as a service. We still have the option for all the games in Xbox Games mm-hmm. uh Game Pass. Game Pass to buy those. I can buy Gears of War 5 separately and have it. Yep. Or I can subscribe and get it for free and when I'm tired of playing games, I can unsubscribe and you know, I'm saving money. So I that to me is the perfect hybrid model. And I think that's where music kind of figured it out. Mm-hmm. We have all these subscription service for music. I subscribe to music, but if there's an album I really like, I can still it. purchase it, yeah. get it as an MP3 or even a hard copy. And I have it. Um, so now we're getting into game preservation, but we'll, but we'll yeah. come back to this topic. We'll come later. Back. It's, it's a topic that's dear and dear to my heart. So really, we're, we're I always going to tell. So, Speaking of fans giving of the back feeds, you can reach us on Twitter at four score seven pongs. You can get us on Facebook at four score seven pongs. We also have a voicemail available for you to call in and leave your comments pending there under one minute at two, seven, six tangent or two, seven, six, eight, two, six, four, three, six, eight. And if we have any international listeners, we apologize. Let us know, and we'll look into whether or not we can get an international number for you. Oh, my gosh. An 800 number? <laughs> I just said international number. I didn't say an 800 number. Anyhow, um, we did it's... have a comment left on our Facebook. I said, hey, what do you want us to talk about? And this is a cool uh, thought experiment. Our, our listener, JT, said, uh, best potential video game movies that haven't been tried. Now, we've seen a lot of video game movies, either intentionally or not. We've had the old Mario Brothers movie that kind of left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. So it's been tried. So we can't count We've had Assassin's Creed. We've had movies like Wreck-It Ralph that are kind of inspired by video games Mm -hmm. and kind of do their own thing. So we've had Halo actually had television series and... Let's let's stick it to feature film, not TV series. So we can't, like, Doom and Mortal Kombat and... Mortal Kombat, which is coming back and has been... Dead or Alive. So what game... Dungeon Siege. Movie. what, What haven't we seen? We haven't seen a Legend of Zelda. So, that's, but it's generic fantasy. It is and isn't, right? I mean, and I don't think Nintendo knows would know what to do with its so, media properties. I know it's not a movie, but I just saw it um promoted during Games Done Quick this week was the Netflix series of Castlevania. Probably in my top pantheon Absolutely. of video game adaptations. Yes, because but it was written by an amazing writer who right. understood the And content. there was a fan YouTube film that I wanted to bring up. And it was The Legend of Zelda in the style of Studio Ghibli. It's a huh. just search Zelda Ghibli and you'll find the video. And the intro to Link's Awakening is essentially in that style as well. And you see this animated film of Legend of Zelda. And I'm like, that could be done. So I think we have a challenge here. And, and JT asks a great question. It, one of the challenges is, do we need a movie of something 
that I spent 40 hours and got emotionally invested and, in. And don't forget, video games are essentially movies now. Like, when you play a game like The Last yeah. of Us. Well, or, I was going to bring up Last of Us, Uncharted. Yeah. You know, These any of those games. cinematic games where uh, you can go on YouTube and essentially watch the game. God of War. I don't need a movie. Yeah. I will get far more enjoyment out of watching Dad of War or playing it than I would watching a movie in two hours. So another thing that came up in the back of my head when he asked this question was I thought, do you remember the movie Clue? I do. Perfect. At least in my eyes. That's a great Yeah, how many board games to get tra- translated? <laughs> it's one of those like, battleship. It's lightning uh, in a bottle. It's a horrible right? movie. Yes. Clue's lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And it Where failed. You... It was a whole complete oh, yeah. failure. Yeah. Um, as a movie. But you have like this weird cast that are not, there weren't, top level Hollywood actors at the time. Nope. Um, you have this really good sense of humor about it and sort of uh, self-awareness of it. Well, and you know, the reason and you have Tim Curry and you know, the reason you have multiple endings, right? It isn't it, that it isn't that they wanted it to be different endings in different theaters. It's that they, every ending they tested didn't work. So they said, well, why don't we just, I mean, it's a game. Why don't we just put all the endings out and we'll put them in different places? And so they used it as a gimmick to try and drum up marketing. Right. But it turns out that it's the reason everybody remembers the film. Right. Because it actually, it's the one element that actually does tie back to the board game. Yeah. It can end any number of ways. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. So I think the biggest, and I'm kind of dodging JT's question here by saying this, but what, if I were to identify a film that could be turned into a movie or a game that could be turned into a movie i would have to ask myself what am i willing to sacrifice to hollywood's view of the media and the market versus the authenticity of the original creator's visions and we've we've seen that along with other adaptations comic book adaptations right Mm -hmm. i mean the reason that the mcu is successful is they finally kind of recognize the history of those. But they distill those historical stories to their core and then they adapt them. Right. So they're not, the Infinity Saga is not the Infinity Saga. But it's still, yeah, I agree with you. Um, but what I'm saying is there's those characters are still those characters. So the only things I think would be good candidates is if you could distill the concept of a character or a game down to its core points and still be entertaining. Many problems with translating a game into a movie is gameplay is not the same as story. Correct. And so I mentioned Mario Brothers at the beginning of this, and we know that DreamWorks is working on a Mario Brothers movie coming out in the next couple years. The question, (laughs) why? But the question is, are they going to have it voiced by Charles Martinet, who does the voice of Mario? Mm -hmm. Is he going to be the voice of Mario? Is it going to have? See, I was thinking. Uh, what was I thinking? It was the Simpsons movie, which was great. the The great thing that the Simpsons movie did is it acknowledged all the TV behind. Mm-hmm. It still did a feature film sort of concept, right? Where it was a big, was bigger, sort of yeah. a bigger kind of event, and even though there was more at stake, there really wasn't. Well, you know, what if you and did, everything reset at the end, just like every episode of the Simpsons. Perfect, right? Yeah. So, what if you did a Mar- if the Mario movie, and it's like Bowser and Peach kind of join forces against Mario, or something that would be completely inconsistent with the games? You know, I kind of think of concepts like that. Of hmm. you take a traditional game, it could be interesting. Yeah, but they have to cater to two audiences, and that's the other reason that most video game adaptions fail. 
They need the people who are emotionally invested after spending all those hours playing a game or a game series. And then you have to look at the people whose money counts because they've never played that game in their life. And they want to either attract them as a new gamer because the movie is a marketing vehicle for the game. Or, but do you think that's really a requirement in 2019 compared to 1989 or whenever the Mario Brothers movie came out? I think it because on, the video on, game business is really big, if not bigger than the movie business these days. I you well, really it's think been bigger re- than the movie business for a long time. Actually, do you think that's a requirement that you need to bring on new consumers, so to speak? I, I don't think, think that's as much a requirement. I think that Hollywood would demand it. Yeah, well, Hollywood's Hollywood, and it's always going to be that way. But I think Hollywood people- is addicted to ticket sales. Yeah. And so I'm expecting a movie crash within the next five years, where these budgets have just gotten so large that every movie, like an Avengers 5. The same thing could be said about AAA video game. No, it's already happening. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Uh, people are looking for new things. They're looking for different types of experiences. So... I guess we dodged your question a little bit. I'm not sure that... I mean, there's things I'd love to see, but I'm not sure they'd make good movies. Yeah. So that's our thoughts on it. What do you think? Oh, boy. He's been waiting (laughs) all episode to use that soundbite. So uh, we're going to leave the episode with a couple things. Missed opportunity. Sean, this is yours. So I think I may have even talked about this in the past in passing. But recently... Um, the image comic saga has reached kind of its midpoint and they had a clearly defined, you know, trajectory for the series. And as a result, they put out volume one of a compilation and it is, uh, about a thousand pages. So it's the first like 47 issues all in one fifty, or is it 50? It's the first 50. And, uh, if you have not read Saga, Saga is one of those stories, those comics that's kind of a perennial favorite, and it it's really representative of how comic books have evolved in their storytelling. And it's pretty original. It's very original. It's 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 actually stands against a lot of the tropes in right. comics and in science fiction. And surprisingly for you, it's very inclusive too. With why do you say it's surprising for me? Because they do it in a way where that's you're not looking at it through that lens of the token character being inclusive. Well, and there's nothing naturally. There's nothing more problematic to me as somebody who believes in inclusion than having it forced on me. Right. And they don't, I want it to be organic and they do an amazing job of making it. That was my point. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and, and so I want to clear the, the, you know, before I'm hoisted up on that petard, I am absolutely in support of inclusion. I just don't want it the to commercialization be forced. Of it. Yeah. And I don't like the commercialization. Of yeah, it. I am with you. So that's so, my missed opportunity. I, and I've read Saga since day one, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. Now, I will say, the things that kind of get me off, maybe I'm a little more of a child or immature. Not That's not the right word. That's judgmental. I wouldn't say that. Uh, it's NSFW. It's NSFW um, for sure. There, yes. Let's <laughs> let's be fair. It's very graphic. There's a lot of violence. There's very adult sexual. Themes. Very adult themes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's but we're talking most of our audience. No, I know, I but that might throw a lot of people off when they think of the traditional comic book, and I think that's something that it kind of sets itself apart. And I'm hesitant to say like heavy metal level sensitivities because that's often and I gratuitous. Don't, and again, I don't think it does it for pure shock right. value. It's organic. It's very real. Um, and it's very good. 
And that's and, Brian K. Vaughn and uh, who's yep. the artist? Uh, Fiona Staples. Uh, Staples, yeah. yeah. So, Moving on to one dumb thing previously mentioned. Uh, this is my dumb thing. Is the this Sony, is your rant time. I would just Yeah, there. the Sony Marvel Spider-Man thing. And it's not so much that whole negotiation is, is the kind of the breakout of the internet flame war and concern over it was Sony and Marvel, Sony and, and Disney. They're doing just fine. I think they're going to be good kind of forever. Um, these are multi-billion dollar companies fighting over and don't think for once that them putting this news out was not part of their strategy. Oh, absolutely. And was. people were going to the defense of either company, like, you know, Sony, you know, they're, they're, they don't want to get, you know, hit with the money. They deserve money for it too. Well, Marvel, you know, Disney doesn't need more. Stop. Okay. The lens that I, I feel like that people should have viewed this from was a fan viewpoint and a story viewpoint. Mm-hmm. The MCU version of Spider Man is heavily influenced by Tony Stark. Tony Stark is Uncle Ben for his motivations and and how that character is built. Secondly, they were kind of propping up Spider-Man to be part of the MCU and they're kind of just ripping off that Band-Aid. That's what you should be offended about because I, I feel like we, the fans, are the ones that are... What's the word I'm looking for? Help me out here. The custodians... Right. It's kind of, he's kind of in our hands now. And it kind of felt like, you know, they're going to make money regardless of us. Well, actually not regardless of us on our backs. It's our money that they make. Yeah. So we don't need to defend a corporation on exploiting us. Right. We should (laughs) be mad at both of them. Yeah. Anyhow, it just, obviously they're going to work it out. They did. um, And they'll work it out again. When it comes up after the next And this film. is why licensing's dumb. I just hate licensing. Hey, at least all of Star Trek is under one roof now. Are you happy or sad about that, or do you care anymore? I care. I care about Star Trek. So you're happy? I'm with happy. that announcement? Yeah. So Because now we can have one universe instead of these splintered, bad yeah. things that don't make sense. Yeah. The question is, how's that going to factor into the Picard series? So Picard's the thing that would benefit from that. Yeah. Whereas Destiny, or... Yeah, Discovery. Discovery. Discovery doesn't because Discovery's now moved itself into the future, so it doesn't matter anymore. We'll talk about that later. So, <laughs> last thing, Sean. Yes. Go ahead. So, I wanted to bring up our one gratifying thing. We we make a point to not just rail and rant, but also to identify good things that are going on. Um, we've had an ongoing discussion in the discord for those of you who are in the discord. Thank you for being active. Uh, but there's two things that happen annually, uh, of a creative nature. One is inktober, which I know not everybody's probably aware of, which is an idea that every day for a month, you have a drawing prompt and you doesn't matter what level of skill you have or what your artistry or, but just, do something creative. And we've talked about this in the past too, just needing to do something creative and to reinvigorate, reinvigorate ourselves. And it's creating for the sake of creating, not necessarily worrying about quality. It's just being creative and just, you know, well, and it's got very simple rules for inktober, right? Which is number one, draw something with, with an ink or it can be pencil, but we don't care. Number two is you have to post it on some form of social media and, or share it with others. 
And then number three is you have to do whatever you, you can't judge yourself, right? You just have to do it. Um, the other thing that happens in November is NaNoWriMo. National Writing or National Novel Writing Month is what that's right. abbreviated for. And I, I left a capital N out of my notes. I'll fix that. NaNoWriMo. Uh, which is, again, it's one of those situations where you challenge yourself to write a novel. Most people who do it don't necessarily write in a novel. but And that one's not necessarily to put out to your friends. It's the, the goal is to write 10,000 words of a cohesive story as much as you can. And to get you just to write. Yeah. And, and so I guess what I'm saying from the one gratifying thing perspective is, first off, join us on the Discord. Yep. Because there's another piece that we have to do here. Uh, all of us live busy lives. But when we have a community supporting us and reminding us and, dare I say it, holding us accountable we're more likely to do something. Right. Um, and at the end, I, I think we'll all end up with, you know, 30 pieces or 31 pieces of art that we may not all like, but at least we've done it. Right. Um, and then I have a second gratifying thing to talk about, which I know breaks the rule a little bit, which is the Able Gamers Foundation. Right now, uh, with TwitchCon going on, they're doing a mini GDQ. And obviously we ran about GDQ all the time. We love watching GDQs. Uh, this GDQ X is around supporting the Able Gamers Foundation, which is a not-for-profit organization that works to provide the very expensive um, adaptive controllers for disabled people to play games or to allow them even that normative capability and to promote accessibility within games too and, and they also the work industry. as a lobbyist yeah. for you know making accessibility a thing for games and, right. and so if you've got the opportunity they are a charity sending your money their way you could you definitely pick a much worse option right so give up your starbucks for a week even seven dollars who cares yeah right and uh again i think it's it, one of the things they 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 explicitly pull out as part of their mission statement is to kind of reduce or um, eliminate the kind of social isolation mm -hmm. because of it, because of, it's a very uh, prevalent issue with having disabilities is you kind of are isolated from society. And the great thing about video games is and games as a service and games as a service and <laughs> games in general is it's all about the community and playing with people and ha sharing experiences and, and stories and stories yeah. and, you know, they're working to make that happen so that everybody can kind of have that shared experience. So good shout out. So that'll wrap it up for this episode. Uh, we look forward to seeing and hearing from you. Yep. Make um, sure to shout us out. If you can like us on any of those podcast providers that you've done, it does us a huge favor of promoting the podcast. If you can mention to a friend, if you like us now, if you don't like us, don't worry about it. Or do, you know, bad press is still good. <laughs> If you can relate us to a scandal. You can't believe how stupid these guys are. Oh You're going to listen for an hour and God, a half. They're idiots. Yeah. You know, shout <laughs> us out. We would really appreciate it. Um, and if you don't, then you might just have to listen to 40, episode 42 of Jared's super fun, awesome Amiibo playtime. <laughs> and with that, thank you. Bye.
Ah, <laughs> <laughs>